I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Welcome to a special episode of The Brand is Female, where I want to tackle a topic I've become fascinated by recently, witches. Whether your idea of a witch is a woman on a broom, burning at the stakes, or for a more modern definition, a woman who has stepped into her own power, it's become clear that witch hunting is still a thing nowadays. Because what is more scary than women realizing how powerful they are? We're one month away, more or less, from Halloween, and we just had autumn solstice, making this the perfect time of year to amplify and celebrate the work done by some of my favorite witches. In this episode today, you'll meet Cardsy B, also known as Rebecca or Bex, our very own tarot expert at The Brand is Female, who explains what being an actual witch means to her and who discusses witchy things with me. I also invite you to listen to our own podcast, Hex in the City, produced by us, if you haven't already done so. In the meantime, here is our witchy conversation. Cardsy B, it's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. And I want to start by acknowledging how there are powers at play that didn't want us having this conversation today because it's been really hard finding a time. You and I both had to reschedule this conversation several times. And this morning, literally, we couldn't connect. Yes, it's crazy. And I know we're like, it's such an important conversation. And we're both so determined. And I appreciate that about you as well. But I yeah, I was I was, you know, about to say it's also uh, we're going into Mercury retrograde on the 26. But we're in the shadow period, ah, which which okay. always Mercury is kind of the planet of communication and technology. So it often impacts things exactly like this. And we both like podcast all the time. So I was like, why is this so hard today? But yeah, I did exactly. feel like there were Yeah, there were forces that maybe didn't want us to share some of this information, but I think it's such a, such an important topic, such a powerful um, point in time also to have this conversation. And I'll even add, um, we'll see if we're interrupted for some reason, my smoke alarm keeps going off and there's literally, there is nothing burning in my house, Um, but it's very humid today, but this has never happened for as long as I've lived here. So literally something is trying to make this conversation not happen, which is very interesting. Um, But I actually want to ask you because, you know, this and this is a special episode because we're talking about witches. And you are uh, one of the first people that came to mind, obviously, when I wanted to create uh, conversations around witches. And uh, but and and this connects to the work that you do, which, you know, one could consider is uh, uh, yeah. uh, you're, you're, you are a, a witch of, of some sorts, but we'll get into definitions and all of that. Um, but how should we interpret Mercury retrograde when something like that happens? Because sometimes it feels it's easy to say, OK, maybe we're not meant to be talking today. Right. Or like this. We, I shouldn't be going going ahead with this deal or with this conversation or with this client when something is like purposely trying to shut down whatever I'm trying to put in motion. But is it more that we just have to rewire the way we think? Um, What's your take on that? 
I definitely agree. It's kind of like a rewiring. And I think that Mercury retrograde also has like a uh, like really good PR in the world right now, where it's kind of like, that's the one <laughs> astrological transit that everybody knows. And there's also like a lot of fear around it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of, um, yes, it can interrupt and, and interfere even with communication and technology, but having an awareness is kind of like, okay, how are we going to navigate this? Like, oh, it might be a little bit harder to connect today. And it goes back to everything for me as kind of trusting our inner guidance system. Uh, I do think this is an important conversation. And I think it's an important time to have it. So, okay, if that means we've got to be a little bit flexible and, you know, on the timing being pushed. Um, so when, you know, people always come to me when it is Mercury retrograde, like, shouldn't, should I not sign on this apartment? Should I not? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how do you feel? Are you already in progress with it? Especially if it's something that has already been planned, it's connections you already have, um, things that are already in motion. I think it's, it's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're safe to proceed. Just be patient with, um, some little glitches that may occur is how, how mm-hmm. I always look at it. And I find, or I think I've, I've read that somewhere too, that it's always a good reminder that, you know, life is not a linear, like point A to point B, you know, type of dynamic. And we have to learn to navigate. It's more like flowing waters. And yes. sometimes, it, you know, it takes, it takes you in, in like different directions and it's not always a straight line. Totally. So some good lessons. Um, so Bex, are you a witch? Yes, I definitely, I really embrace that, that word. And I know there's a lot of stigma and taboo around it. I am, you know, historically, and even today, um, I definitely identify as a witch. And I think it's a really empowering word. And I look at, you know, being a witch as someone who really just trusts my inner authority and my connection to, you know, whether you want to call it God source, the universe, and using that connection and my inner, inner guidance system and intuition to help um, relay messages and to help heal the collective. And mm-hmm. I think that that's um, something that's been in my personal journey to, to kind of navigate. And it's it's kind of uh, when people are like, you know, what does the word witch mean because of all of the the stigma in, in history with it? I, I always say it's, it's, you know, a woman who really claims and uses their power. And mm-hmm. we, we've often been taught that um, that's, a, that's a bad or a scary thing. Because I remember even meeting someone who was, you know, highly um, religious in an institutional religion way and was like, well, who is this governed by? I'm like, it's it's governed by the <laughs> same place as, as everyone, you know, everything in the universe. It's, it's governed by like the universal law source, God, if you want to call it that. Um, so I think there's always been this um, with, with, being, you know, being considered a witch or being, you know, an intuitive uh, reader and, and healer, like, well, that has to come through a third party. Like, did a did a mm. priest, did a reverend, did, a, you know, a rabbi okay that? And it's like, no, I think we all have the ability to connect directly to to source, to, to the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it, we've got to take out that concept from that really, that rigid, you know, religious frame that, uh, yeah. uh, un- un- unfortunately, most of the definitions around witch and witchcraft are an- originally anchored in. Right. Um, and it's what's given it a, a bad rap. So, well, let's talk about your work for, for a minute for our listeners who don't know you and don't listen to Hex in the City. Uh, so you are a tarot reader, and I think you're much more than that, but um, that is uh, kind of your 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 main trait, I would I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Um, when when did that, you know, when did you find out or get called uh, to do that kind of work? And how, how did that manifest in your life and at, and at what point? Yeah, um, it was something I was drawn to from the time I was a little girl. And I first 
first learned tarot when I was like 10, 11 years old. And it's funny because I spent a lot of time um, during the pandemic uh, at my parents. I, I moved closer to them and I was, you know, my mom was going through like my old childhood bedroom and I would have these books on astrology and tarot and astro travel from literally elementary school. And it's not something wow. that was in my family lineage. It was just something I would go to a bookstore and that's what I would spend my allowance on was like tarot decks and like astrology <laughs> books. And my mom was kind of um, confused by it, but I'm lucky that my parents were pretty open-minded and she would look she would always read things and kind of like scan them first of like okay it doesn't seem like this is like demonic or anything so scary I may not understand it but she's drawn to it and she's reading I was always reading um so it's something that at a young age I felt um really called to and there was almost like a um definitely an intuitive knowing around it so I believe personally that's probably a tool that I used in past lifetimes because I was like mm -hmm. yes this is it and I, I learned in a way that kids often do with I always compare it to languages like you don't have the rules and restrictions I think sometimes learning um, a craft or a tool as an adult you're like okay you're reading a guidebook and you're like I have to memorize x x plus y equals z and I was just like oh this is what it conjures in me and this is what I feel when I look at this card so I always try to um, encourage people that are learning to read to do it kind of with that childlike presence mm -hmm. um, and that's really when it started for me was like um, probably around yeah like age 10 11 in terms of tarot and but always as a kid I, I was highly intuitive I would see and experience things that I think my parents um, just didn't understand and they would always be like oh you're so sensitive that was a thing of like right. oh you're so sensitive or you take things to you know this level of even we would I remember like driving on road trips with my with my parents and being like this something bad happened here like I don't want to drive mm. this way I would be like this is like the scary way or this is the depressing way and they're like what does that even mean and I think it was mm. you know like seeing and connecting with tragedies and traumas that had occurred um in certain places and um so it was always kind of like dismissed and um I so I, I play it's you know I played with tarot a lot probably in elementary school up until middle school but it wasn't cool back then it was like right. the, you know it was the nine late like late 80s and the 90s where um it didn't have and I'm so grateful that it has been kind of democratized in the mainstream today but there was a lot of taboo there were even other moms that would question my mom and be like I don't think this is appropriate that she has tarot cards at recess you know mm, um, right. so it was something that I learned to kind of suppress and downplay and I didn't really come back to it until um later in my adult life and I hit kind of a, a really intense dark night of the soul was struggling with suicidal depression and I it was kind of one of those like messengers from the universe that a friend of mine not even knowing that I used to read a lot um gifted me a, a deck of tarot cards and was like I don't know I know you like witchy stuff it was kind of just like a random from urban outfitters and I was like oh my goodness like this is kind of something that used to be so healing and I just started pulling a card a day for myself this is like four four or five years ago now now. And then um, I remembered my connection to it. And I started reading for friends and like former colleagues and people were just telling me you're, you're really good at this, you need to do something with it. And slowly mm -hmm. and it like, and it was unplanned, it kind of snowballed into this, then I was doing readings, then I was doing events. And then my podcast and my tarot, you know, I created my tarot deck, but it was, um, it really started as kind of connecting to that inner child and that, um, that heal like tarot as a healing tool. Right. And it was very intuitive for you, right? It was all, it kind of came from that calling yeah. and something that you were organically drawn to. Yeah. Um, but did you have an, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know how it works in, in tarot specifically, but did you have, you know, teachers or masters that you learned from? Like, how did the knowledge get passed on? 
Yeah, um, I really honestly was self-taught and that's why I always explain it's kind of like um, learning a language as a kid. It's just something I played with and I was self-taught. Um, then as I kind of came back to it as an adult and revisited it, um, I I kind of delved deeper because I learned kind of the, like most people do, the first thing we learn, it's a visual tool. So, you know, learning what the cards mean, the archetypes, the imagery, the, the visual cues and the cards. And then um, I wanted to kind of dive deeper into, because I have a big passion for astrology, the astrological rule of each card, the numerologic, um, you know, significance of the cards and combinations of, of the numerology. So that I kind of um, just did some, some, a lot of research in terms of studying texts, like old, old texts from like the, the 1800s, like Tarot of the mm. Bohemians up to modern day teachers, like Mary Kay Greer is one of, I think, like the, the granddams of Tarot, I'm um, studying a lot of her work. And that's how I dived deeper into like astrology, numerology, Kabbalistic tie-ins, because I think the more, um, it's like any anything, any, any, um, craft or like passion that we have, the more angles you can look at it, the more, the mm. more data points you have just to work yeah. with. So I always encourage people after learning the visual cues to dive into what other areas they may be interested in, because with tarot, there's, there's so much knowledge, but that's what the other thing is. I'm a Sagittarius Aries rising. So I get bored very easily and it's a tool <laughs> I've worked with forever and I never get bored because there's always deeper layers to dive into. And then the mm. more you are able to access that, the more, um, knowledge that you can kind of um, pull through in a reading as well. Mm -hmm. So the kind of work you're doing, you know, if we were, if this was the 1700s, for example, you could literally be tried and tortured and burned at the stake for being a witch, right? And there's, from for many centuries, um, women, especially there were men too, but mostly women uh, were, you know, persecuted. And, and I think it's worth... Um, making the distinction because a lot of these women and men, but a lot of these people were, were innocent in the sense that, you know, they were not engaging in any, uh, not probably not even a spiritual practice, yeah. but certainly not in demonic, you know, yeah. worshiping or what, what, you know, any, any rights pertaining to, uh, to Satan, for example. Um, mm -hmm. but there, there were women, uh, who were healers, who were, you know, philosophers, you know, writers, or just women in generally that kind of broke the mold of just being, you know, a housewife raising the kids and, and, um, you know, taking care of the household. It was really any woman that was deemed different, um, mm -hmm. was at risk, um, or, or not just women, again, any, any person would be at risk of being called out. Um, how, you know, how, how do you feel your work today connects to that history uh, of witchcraft? And, and and we know that was kind of the European uh, uh, history with witchcraft, but of course, everybody knows of the, the Salem witches, uh, which happened later. And this was, you know, on our territory in, in, in what is New England, um, uh, which is even more recent. So how how do you feel connected to that history and that dark past for witches? Yeah. No, and I think I think like you um, kind of shared that so beautifully of it was any woman who was deemed different and kind of independent and um, carving a, a different path often um, in, in, you know, kind of their own sovereignty and independence. And I think that that's something that um, it, it, it definitely and we even have the ties back to. Um, when you think it's, that was like in, in Salem, it was like the late 1600s. That's not that many mm -hmm. generations back, you know? Nope. So going into like the like ancestral,
cultural trauma of that, of, I remember for me, um, coming out as like, I'm like, okay, now this is what I've been doing full time for the past four years, five years. Um, and coming out with my new Instagram account from the fashion industry. And so this is my work. And it was scarier than coming out as a lesbian, truly. Like it was to me, I was like, this is more terrifying of coming out of the closet with like my spiritual practices, that this is my work that I channel information for a living. Um, and the, the fear of backlash that I would get. And I have experienced backlash from it, even in this mm -hmm. lifetime. But I think a lot of that um, kind of innate fear of we want to protect ourselves and we, we almost want to hide it is from being um, ostracized at mm -hmm. best and literally like persecuted and put to death at worst as, as you know, as healers. And even as you said, even women just like, like paving the way differently and kind of in the, in our own power. So there definitely is a lot of, you know, what's been called the witch wound. And I see mm -hmm. it. I was someone who never, I'm such a rebel. I never held back even as a child and many things I came out, uh, you know, as a lesbian at 18. And I was kind of like, this is me world deal with it. And when I started to really stand in my power in this work, I felt the wish wound. And I was like, ooh, and I even um, in certain settings still have that I always I mean, I do very proudly say what I do. But there are there are certain rooms, certain settings that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to say that I I'm an intuitive reader for our living and, and may face backlash in this conversation that you know, right. I didn't ever have that fear of being like, I'm a fashion designer. So, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely I think it's I think it's very real. I think that we're in a time of awakening in so many ways. And a lot of that is like, um, so many of us are awakening our inner witch. And that doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean that everyone's going to channel or read tarot. But I think like where we can stand in our direct connection to our inner knowing to our intuition is very powerful. But we've been suppressed in doing that for totally. generations. But like I yeah. said, it's not even that many generations back that it happened mm -hmm. to our ancestors. So it's almost like that, like, Oh, I've got to I've got to keep this close to the vest, or I, I shouldn't explore that because there's going to be persecution or, or, or you know, ostracization as a result of that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, witch hunt and patriarchy go hand in hand, right? Because even before um, there was such a thing as 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 witch hunting, uh, you know, women were already persecuted in different yeah. ways. And there were virtually, you know, very, very few uh, rights that women had in society. Um, and then that kind of escalated throughout, um, you know, those centuries where witch hunting was active. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD's services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. And I, I want to talk about the, the witch wound uh, a little bit. And I think this connects to uh, something I wanted to bring up. Um, I read a book earlier this summer uh, uh, by a French author called Isabelle Sorrent. And in, in the title translates as The Witch's Complex. And it's through, through sharing her own story, she kind of brings up the idea that um, 
what we would call imposter syndrome today, uh, and which we know a lot of women, and this is something in conversations I have on this podcast, this comes up again and again, right? With women who are at the, you know, at the top of their class and uh, running large businesses or who have achieved great scientific innovations or tech, you know, innovation. And it keeps coming up that they don't, they, they, they have, you know, self-doubt, they refer to imposter syndrome. And um, in, in this book, uh, the author makes a link between uh, women who were witch hunted, who would come to not only um, uh, kind of ad admit being guilty, like uh, you know, admit to some to some of the uh, uh, you know what they what they were being put on trial for, but they would come to believe it, right? Yeah. So they would come to believe what the person persecuting them was trying to make believe they were actually doing, whether it was you know uh, demonic rites or uh, you know yeah. being a healer or things like that, which were all part of of definitions of witchcraft, and. Uh, in, in the book, she goes on to explain that this has stayed with women, f you know, throughout centuries. And as you said, it wasn't that long ago that women were still afraid of, of you know, potentially possibly being tried as witches. And this was very much part of uh, life and society. Um, so it, it would come to explain part of, you know, again, that witch complex, which I think connects to the witch wound as well. So um wondering how you view that, but also how can we evolve from those strong ties or get rid of, you know, in the book, she even calls it intergenerational trauma because yeah. our women ancestors for any of us with a European background, but, you know, this happens in, 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 in North America and the colonies as well. And, and interesting to say that today there's still uh, something like 36 nations where witchcraft, witch hunting, you know, yeah. is still a thing. Um, and then I want to talk about the kind of the modern concept of witch hunt, which we can get back to. But yeah. um, so how do we get rid of those ties and how how do you think, you know, we we can kind of help our women ancestors heal from this deep trauma? Yeah, it's so funny that that's like how you you phrased the, the end of that question, because that's the first thing I was going to say is I do feel like our ancestors are, are kind of calling us to be on the front lines. And it's like, this is how we can not only have a ripple effect forward, but also backwards to heal them. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, you know, in terms of the first thing that comes up to me is in terms of the tarot, because that is my go to tool, there's a card called three of swords. And people don't like to get this card because it's a card of it's in the, the, you know, original Smith Rider weight deck, it's this um, heart being stabbed with three swords. Yes. And it usually yeah. yes, and it represents like trauma, um, mm. loss, um, all the things we're discussing those feelings that are like, so painful, and cataclysmic. But the the message in three of swords really is the only way out is through. So I think mm -hmm. in terms of mm -hmm. it's a process, absolutely. But the first part of it is to feel it and to feel like this is a real feeling. I'm not crazy in mm -hmm. feeling, you know, um, these triggers, this trauma, um, this sense of feeling unsafe of of being, you know, um, uh, whether it's like persecuted in certain ways, ostracized from certain communities, um, bullied, shamed, it's like, it's, it's okay to feel this and sit with it. And then how do I navigate this? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of that when you, um, you know, bringing up imposter syndrome, I think it's kind of like the fear to speak freely of like, 
uh, who am I to to do this? Who am I to say this? And the most empowering thing is to just be yourself. And it's so cliche, but I think kind of standing in our truth gives yeah. other people permission to do so, even if it's different, even if it seems like you're going against the grain, you're, you know, you're saying the the scary thing or the thing that's like not not the mainstream, not not the common, not the norm. And I think that that's kind of our, our way of navigating through that. And whether that's in terms of like a corporate executive setting or whether that's mm-hmm. in our day to day life of just, you know what, like I'm feeling this intuitively, like in my knowing, and it may not be what's what's popular consensus right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to I'm going to stand in my truth. And that can yeah. be so terrifying to do even on the smallest issues. Um, but I think the more that we allow ourselves to do that, the more we are kind of healing that wound. And it's very three of swords of it's scary to go in there. But then the only way out is is through it. And uh, this makes me think, um, because when we when we look at the kind of, the, you know, the word witch hunt is still used in a, in a contemporary context when we describe a situation where typically it's a woman, but it, it could be anyone where we're looking to, you know, make someone look very guilty and we're uh, kind of persecuting someone in, a, in the public arena. It could be a very public investigation or trial. And I think of women in politics. Right. We've seen yeah. a, a lot of cases of that. Um, and with my experience, I think of women in the corporate sector as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think of executives, and I've seen many who, if they dare, uh, you know, speak up too much or go against the popular opinion and don't, you know, if they don't agree with what the upper echelons are, are saying, they will be ostracized and they will literally be witch hunted. And we've seen yeah. uh, a lot of very public cases of women, you know, having to step down from a position in politics and business or elsewhere for those reasons. Um and we literally still use the term witch hunt to describe that. And 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 the connection I was I was gonna make is um I read recently and this was uh in a in a context of describing imposter syndrome and how to ov- overcome it. Now I forget the, the name of the author, but the the it's 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 more about the general idea that she was conveying um of you know, women don't need men to uh, burn them at the stakes. We literally light the match ourselves now. Yeah. And it's also how, because we've internalized, right, this whole process and mindset. And this makes me think, too, of going back to witch hunts, you know, in the in the 1400s, 1500s, and, and, and centuries afterwards. There were also a lot of women accusing other women or you know uh trying to yes. basically get their get their neighbors uh, yeah. uh burned at the stake or, or, yes. or tortured and accusing them of witchcraft even if it wasn't true so there is kind of that dynamic of you know women going against each other and being afraid of each other's power which mm-hmm. i think in a in a in a scarcity mindset you know it, again, in a in a world ruled by patriarchy, is when that behavior would come to show up. But curious to know how you feel about that, and again, how we can kind of get rid of that, uh, you know, that sense of competition, which would make me want to get another woman burn at the stakes, and even possibly, you know, lighting our own, you know, uh, stake ablaze ourselves. I, I put it I put in a lot in that question, but <laughs> Yeah. No, I think that um no, they're all like really really thought provoking points and things that I think many of, if not all of us, deal with at some point in time. And I think that 
the most important thing is kind of going back to um, like our own um, inner truth and standing Mm -hmm. in that because a lot, a lot with the, you know, the witch hunts back in, you know, centuries back and and leading up to witch hunts in, in different degrees today are kind of the fear of standing outside of the herd of the fear of, um, you know, speaking up uh, differently, like disagreeing with the way things have been done, challenging societal norms. And I think um, the more that we do it in ways that I know it can feel very unsafe, but Mm -hmm. in whatever ways we can, whether that's in a boardroom, whether that's, you know, via social media, whether that's even in conversations we have with our friends and family, um, it kind of does have the ripple effect. And there then it gives other people, um, you know, something to think about different perspectives, but also permission to to speak in their own voice. And yes, I think people are still being, as as you share, being villainized for that. There are negative repercussions. And the more we see that, it can ignite that fear even more. And when you were, I think that the analogy of lighting ourselves on fire is very powerful of like, well, I'm just going to do it before someone else can do it for me, because then that kind of keeps me safe. Um, but I do think kind of the more that we um, just the, the first thing, too, is in, in any in intuitive practice. And I teach this in terms of accessing intuition and, and working with tarot is um, starting to get to know our inner voice and trust it, you know, on a daily basis. And that's really like it's like working out. It's like it's harder when you first have to go to the gym and you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to suck at this. It's going to be brutal. And the more we're like, OK, I'm going to listen to that intuitive knowing and then maybe mm start to speak it. Maybe, you know, share it with one person on your team at work and kind of, you know, how do you think about this? Like, I know this isn't what the direction everyone's going, but I'm really thinking this. Um, And then maybe once you start to share it in small circles or with people that you do feel safe with, then maybe you can start to stand in it in a bigger way next time. It's like picking up a a bigger weight the next time you go to the gym after you've mastered like the five, 10 pounds. Um, So I think that that's, it's definitely a process. And I think that Um, the more that we uh, empower ourselves to do it, we're also, again, like healing our ancestors as well, in addition Mm -hmm. to being able to be an example. And and those Mm -hmm. of us that have, you know, platforms, those of us that have um, more security and being able to do that, we, we help to also lead, lead the way. So I think the more all of us can do that, whether it's on, you know, in our daily lives and in personal conversations or in, in bigger conversations and your platform is so beautiful for that. Um, I think that we're really, we are helping to not just heal the witch wound, but really transform and transmute it into something powerful of like, Mm -hmm. this isn't something we're trying to heal and forget. We're we're like, this is something that we're going to like really learn like why it happened and alchemize Mm -hmm. the energy of it. I love that. And so if I kind of, you know, take away some, some of what you've brought up and shared. um, So, you know, a modern day witch is a woman who's not afraid of her power, stepping into her power and owning it. Uh, tuning in with her intuition and her inner voice um, and speaking from that place, right? From that voice uh, that, uh, that ultimately is, is truth and is power within us. Um, what else would you think a witch needs to be or do? Um, I think that uh, a witch is just kind of um, unapologetic too. Of I think there's so much of when you were going back to the like women lighting themselves on fire. Um, it's kind of there's so much. Of, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for even thinking differently. I'm sorry for making <laughs> yeah. you uncomfortable. And there's kind of an unapologetic of like, you don't have to agree with me. But this yeah. is this is what I'm what I'm 
thinking, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm putting out there. And I'm asking you to at least acknowledge my presence in that. And mm -hmm. I don't need to apologize for it. There's definitely kind of like um, uh, uh, an unapologetic stance that I think we've very much been conditioned against, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when you say that what comes up for me, I had a conversation with another witch in my life, which is uh, Casey Crown, who's this amazing uh, psychotherapist and, and specialist in, in trauma healing. And in our conversation, she brought up, um, she reminded me that we're never responsible for uh, another person's reaction. Yes. And I think I think that's a very witchy thing to do as well, right? Because um, it's the other person that decides that, you know, being a witch or witchcraft is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but as long as we stand in that power of, you know, our truth and our intuition, um, you know, the, the world is just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even like ways that we can come out are very powerful because it's funny when my time in rural Pennsylvania, um, my dad has a friend, my dad's 70, his friend's a little bit older than him in his mid seventies and very like in this small, small town of mostly like straight white Christian people. And, um, <laughs> I was making him like he, he came down with like a cold. I was making him like these herbal tinctures and potions. And he was like, what, what is this? Like, are you a witch? And I'm like, actually I am. And had like very open conversations with him and you could see there was pushback at first mm -hmm. but he the interesting in this the thing in this is like he's like an uncle to me so he knows me he loves me and he's it kind of opened his mind and now he sent me a cute little tea set that was like witch's brew and he's like to my favorite witch and it really I was like that's gonna open his mind to things Absolutely. that are of like the metaphysical and healing world yeah. because of um, he's like, well, I know her and I know she's got a good heart and she's a good person and she identifies as a witch. So I think little ways and like, that's just someone again, like in my family comfort zone and um, little mm -hmm. ways that we can even come out and kind of put that it has a ripple effect into the world of other people's acceptance and curiosity and coming to the point of understanding, you know, mm -hmm. absolutely. So of course, for all of your ongoing, you know, advice, we'll listen to Hex in the City and follow you on social yeah. media. Um, the reason, you know, October is is a big month for, for witches and it is uh, autumn solstice as well, right? All, all mm -hmm. of those dates connect. Um, in closing, what would be a good ritual, something that you would suggest around that time of autumn solstice to honor the, the inner witch in all of us? Yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, the solstice as well as Samhain, which is what's celebrated on Halloween, is like mm -hmm. the final harvest festival. It's a fire festival. Um, I think it's a, a great time to give gratitude to all we've harvested. So that goes mm -hmm. back to the knowledge from our ancestors. When I was saying, you know, it's it's obviously a tragedy what has occurred, but also beauty in the knowledge we've acquired and the strength that they've paved the way forward. So in, in harvest festivals and Samhain, I always look at it as like kind of, um, it is, it's and Samhain's the witch's new year. So it's like, how are we starting this new year? Um, what have we harvested that we can give gratitude towards? And that can be like doing lists, doing meditations. I love walking meditations and kind of contemplating on that. Um, and what are the intentions that we're setting as a result this, this new year moving forward from October 31st on? Mm, I love that. So we'll, we'll get to work. Thank you so much, Bex. It was a pleasure talking all things witches with you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. So amazing. Thank you. Thank you.
I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brand is Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.